Okay, so now we're going to move into the final segment, but it also could be quite a long one, which is just general, the, the corporate activity. Lithium for the past, as long as we've been doing this, there's been lots of deals. Yes, the industry has had to fund itself, but there have been outsiders who have sought to enter the market, not as fast as we would hope, but they have been quite varied. There's been some big oil, big utility, mining, mid-cap mining. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of that. You know, in a stronger for longer environment, quality projects, managements, and companies should be bid higher, right? And we just talked about the markets not pricing into public equities, the price forecast that you have over the next few years. I've seen a bit of a disconnect with some public market valuations and private market valuations. If you look at what Rio paid for Rincon and then Ganfeng, who usually pays very little, gets really good deals, paid you know over $950 million for Lithia, which is an earlier stage asset than, let's say, Lithium America's bought Millennial for. So talk about that. And I also want to bring back and ask you, SQM bought into Kidman. They paid about $130 million. A few, one or two years later, West Farmers came in and for their half share paid $550 million. Around the same time, Albemarle paid, I don't know, $1.2 billion for Wajina. You said, you know, that they overpaid. You called it a diversification. So I want to ask you if you still believe that. And then if you look at Ganfeng and Lithia, do you think they're overpaying? And do you think that's a diversification? Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to say it's diversification. If you, just because the market bails you out, doesn't mean you didn't make a uh, a, a suboptimal deal at the time. So yeah, I think they paid too much. I think they think they paid too much. And I think some of their rhetoric would bear that out. Anyway, it, it's a different, it's a new day, Howard. I don't, I don't think we need to belabor that too much. Gangfen's in a different spot. And I don't, you know, this is where you go to how much of this gets to be team China and, you know, we, we've already talked about the whole geopolitics bit, but China has to have their assets. If they're going to secure assets, the good ones are outside of China. Um, I think they paid what they had to pay. They didn't get Rincon. And was it knee jerk? I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that lens on it, but uh they paid a high price. So, so Minrez and Albemarle are restructuring their joint venture. You, um, we discussed that a little bit. What do you think of the impact of you know Minrez, you know, spot pricing spodumene, you know, versus Albemarle having long-term hydroxide contracts? Like I see, if if Albemarle controls a hundred percent of the marketing, but they're buying fifty percent of Wajina tons at variable prices. How could they have fixed for those spodumene tons, maybe not green bushes and otherwise, but for, for the ones, those 50% that they're buying at spot from Minres, how could they have fixed hydroxide prices? They, they'd be taking price risk. Don't, aren't they being forced on those tons to have variable hydroxide pricing? I, I think that they would be foolish if they didn't. And uh, I think, no matter what I've said about Albemarle in the past, I mean, they, they're learning slowly from past mistakes, but they're learning. And I, and I think they got a great teacher. 
<laughs> and I think I think Chris Ellison's statements I I agree with. You know, he wants to get the most, and when the market turns, he'll he'll adjust. I think that's a paraphrase of what he said, but uh, it's it, it's very interesting. But obviously, if Abelmarl takes a portfolio approach to the the market, they have the lowest cost rock in green bushes. So that's that's a part of their portfolio. Then they have a, a a different relationship, and you know maybe maybe in the end that deal works out well for them. But I think it's Chris Ellison three, Abelmarl zero. But that's just my personal opinion. And Rodney, your thoughts on uh, the the Ganfeng Lithia? You know, just the, the the valuations being paid in private markets, and I'm always a fan. Like I I thought. Almol maybe they overpaid, but we should be cheering overpayments as 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 representatives of junior mining companies. We want to see these assets being bid up. So um, that's a different question, though, Howard. Excuse me, Rodney. I mean, playing the cheerleader role and high prices, it, it it's good. You asked a specific question. Do no, I think did they pay too much at the time? Absolutely. Is it going to work out for them? Absolutely. It's win-win for us, Howard. We can both be right. I think, Howard, if I were to throw my, my two cents in on that, is if you look at the Albemarle deal with Wajina, if you look at the Ganfin, it's guys who pay up for big resources because they believe they'll have the time to work them out and get the payback. It's a meaningful position over a long life. So the question is, you know, if you looked at it, Wajina was the only one left. I agree, you know, Joe, that the market's going to bail them out. I mean, the lucky one was IGO that did the deal with Tangshi with the green bushes at a very good time when things were tough and they took a view. So big assets are always going to, you know, generate a premium. Because the guys feel you'll see the likes of Rios and BHP or any of them, if they come into this market, they'll be looking for for large for large resources if they can find them. That that's always going to be in in vogue for big mining houses. Well, Rodney, you, you've often said on the spodumene side, if you can get the fifty million tons, which is not gigantic, but you know the the and lithium doesn't have so many gigantic deposits, uh, but there's going to be a lot of, you know, that as a threshold are, are great. Well, you can do less. For, for, D, for DMS, you can do less because you can get it up and running and we're going to see some some happening. But I guess if you have something around that number and you can and drill it out, so look at like Global Lithium, you know, Minres has been buying in. I think that asset could grow probably to something around that number. And then you can always drill out. I mean, Pilbara is doing further expansion drilling now. So once you're up and running, uh, there's often, you know, expansions that can go beyond on the resource to, to give it life. But, you know, for guys like Albemarle and what have you, if you look at the, the engineering and some would say over engineering of their chemical plants, they need, a long life in order to amortize those costs. They cannot do short-term 
small projects because they spend. I don't know what the final number was on Kemerton. You had an <laughs> inkling on Quinana. You, you need to make them pay. So you need long life, uh, you know, feed feed to go into that. Otherwise, I mean, they did it in a in a market that was tougher. But you know, you need you need to you need to get the payback. So I do think. Australia, Canada, there are going to be a lot of these locations where you're going to get those mid-size, you know, where you don't find a, a Wajana size or a Pilbara size that will make commercial sense with Joe's pricing and mine and, and those of us that see it, you know, stronger for longer. On the Minres and Ganfeng offtake restructure, which you mentioned, Joe, I just uh, observed they, they got $77,000 for their hydroxide. Uh, and then I kind of compared that to $54,000 that SQM averaged, right? So is that a, how should we think about that? Is that a carbonate, you know, versus battery grade hydroxide? Is that a, is that 54,000? Is that, it's an FOB chili, you know, is the actual price, you know, higher, you know, once it gets into China, any thoughts on that? Well, the export price is not the final price in most cases, so there is there's some delta there but let's just go back and look at basically what you had is gang fence capacity that was going to customers just got changed to minres in the short term and it was totally spot exposed so let's just see what the next couple of quarters bring if they get the same if if that Delta holds and um, it, it, the, the real question then becomes, I mean, you're, you're constantly trying to create this narrative that supports the hydroxide uh, school of thought and, and that's fine, but um, I think you're generalizing from a small sample at this point. I, I, and I wasn't, I, you're right, I do do that, but I wasn't trying to do that just now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I was, I was. That's um, our subconscious, it's become Joe. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to like understand real-time data points in the market right for like like because you're right historically following um sqm's quarterly numbers is a good benchmark for the price and here you now have you know minred saying here is a hydroxide price real time and then you have on the spodumene price you know the bmx auction so that that was really yeah i mean point. that that hydroxide price is a real high price i mean it, 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 that that's kudos again to Mr. Ellison, <laughs> but I, I, I like to, I like to look at data points, but I like to look at results over time and those kind of trends as well. And, and I, I don't know if this is generalizing from a small sample or not, but it's, it's great for Minres to right now totally be exposed to just the, you know, price du jour rather than some of the other contracts that are, average of three months trailing and some of them have a small discount and yes that's not what minres is doing yeah okay to the point you just brought up um I, I, i'm going to augment that a little bit our focus rodney and our I primarily 
focus is on kind of Europe and U.S. markets, you know, supply and demand feeding those markets. And we see it as disproportionately hydroxide focused. And we also think like natural gas has localized pricing, very different pricing, even for a very commoditized market, you might see that emerge. So you might have localized differentials in pricing, and then you might have you know, your premiums for you know, the hydroxide versus the carbonate. We've observed your your background in, in Argentina and, and historic maybe favoritism to Brine and your connections to, to China put you in a more balanced from a global perspective viewpoint. I started out, I was the first guy to sell lithium commercially to the lithium ion battery space in Japan in the 90s. And it was hard rock. So I don't I don't have any built-in bias towards Brine. I never have. Uh, at the time, Brine was so much cheaper than the dying all beam mine could support that made sense. But quality wise, that hard rock carbonate was picked over, selected, not picked over, selected over the Atacama's carbonate offering. And at the time that was Applebarrel because SQM wasn't operating yet. So I, I don't have any, I don't have any built in Brian bias and, you know, I just want to make that editorial statement <laughs> okay. going, going forward. I don't think in this market, you need as much as you can get from either side. And I, I agree with you. I started before I was in lithium. I was in the natural gas. I used to go to the FERC to get natural gas <laughs> rates approved. So, you know, I, I, I take your point on how convoluted some of those markets can be and uh, localized. My, all I would say to you is that as long as Rodney's and my prices are close to being right in the time frame we're at, the carbonate hydroxide argument doesn't make any difference. And all of it in a short market, it doesn't, you can't really make a mistake whether you go hydroxide or carbonate because it's all going to get absorbed by the market. And so I don't have, I mean, we used to spar on Twitter about, you know, hydroxide, whatever, <laughs> but I was the original hydroxide bull. Yeah. My, my, my even, hydroxide, even within my own company. <laughs> my hydroxide surge was always meant to be a, a growing faster and in particular in U.S. markets. I never disagreed on balance. Well, balance I, could be 50-50. It could be 60-40. Like that's all... Again, you inside baseball. Joe's one hundred percent right, and we we discussed this earlier. It's calling all pockets, so whatever you make is going to get taken. I think, but Joe's point is well made. I've I've rerun my numbers, Joe. So hat tip to you. Your forecast on twenty twenty five, I think, is right. I think it'll be fifty five percent plus carbonate. So um, that was a good call in the face of rising hydroxide. But I think again, you know, it's very hard to say. What models will sell where? I think all of it will get taken. It it does come down to, I guess, uh, you know, performance and size of packs and and uh, economics. But, you know, as Joe said, if you you want to keep the price down, I guess it will depend. There, there are things that can happen with the LFP, but you know, carbonate um, would you know LFP would um, definitely fit the bill if it's if it's cheaper, but um, 
I see it as all, you know, things like the cyber truck and what have you, if it's reasonably priced, what have you, it's all going to be in, in big demand, which means you need anything and everything you can produce as long as you can meet spec. And Howard, I, I actually have any presentation I've ever done. I always, I always have said from 2015 on any forecast I did, I said hydroxide is still growing at a faster rate than carbonate. It's just that I believe it was Albemarle maybe in 16 or 17 said that hydroxide would be 70% of the market in 2025. And I immediately called bullshit on that. And, you know, I could still be wrong, but it, uh, it, it, 25, it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rodney. You, you, no, no <laughs> I'd say it's cost. The die is cost. I agree with you. 55 percent whatever plus in in, in carbon beyond that who knows who knows where we'll be okay, okay, exactly okay, okay. let's let's move like i said i want to focus more on um less... or you did not want this to become a love fest which is what it's turning <laughs> out to be okay so... <laughs> i i i definitely wanted more love than hate uh for sure <laughs> i wanted to avoid the hate uh because there's a lot of uh there's too much like there's too much hate, uh, you know, in, um, I was going to say that uh, in my intro, I forgot to say this, but I'll say it now. Like, like Joe is, is, is the person you, you know, you love to hate and, and hate to love. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, true of much of your audience and a, and, and a fair percentage of mine. <laughs> so, um, so we talked a little bit about majors investing in development projects from SQM Kidman, Albemarle Wajina, you know, Ganfeng and Lithium Americas and Bacanora, Lithia, Leo Lithium, Minres and Global Lithium, Livent and Namaska. But we've also seen producers buying producers, right? So there was the merger of Galaxy and Oracobre, and then you had Pilbara taking over Altura. Um, I think we're going to see more of that, right? There's like, who might buy Allchem? Right. Who might buy Livent or even Pilbara? Just speculate. Oh, I mean, it pains me that Livent hasn't been bought. It should have happened. Certainly should have happened at the beginning of COVID, but it should have happened long before that. And it I am mystified that a company like Rio, if they wanted to have an Argentina beachhead. Why wouldn't you just pay too much for live and even just get the asset get the core and use that as a beachhead for further expansion in argentina i i'm mystified i i've said the same repeatedly on that in part because rio's all over quebec in aluminum and with Namaska, Livent has no hard rock skills so i, I just it makes a, a, a whole heap of sense for rio which has titanium in Quebec as well. And they have, you know, so I, I think that we're in agreement on that speculation um, that Livent should be taken out. But like, what about Alchem? It would be logical. If you look at Toyota and you look at how that started, I mean, my first job after I left FMC was advising Toyota Susho on the lithium market as they were doing or a Cobra. And now that you see the Toyota with Panasonic JV and you see more, you know, Toyota's 
been back and forth on their commitment to lithium vehicles, but they're going to have to be all in on lithium. It would make perfect sense for, and Japanese want, you know, they're back to wanting a, wanting more of a beachhead. I mean, it was, it was Jogmac, Japan oil and gas that was, you know, the, and, and the government that was having Mitsubishi look at this, Sojus look at this, Toyota Susho look at this, and Toyota Susho finally took the plunge. I, I would I would say it's logical for them to take out Alchem, and it's logical for for others. They they have a good asset base. I mean, if you look at James Bay, you know, Mount Catlin's on its in its declining years, like yours truly. But they do have other Bill assets. Larry, the Mount Catlin of the lithium industry. No, I wouldn't think so. You're more like the green bushes. You're just you're, that'll never. You know, you'll be doing this until you're 90. Anyway, then you know, Sal Davida. I, I I've always been bullish on Sal Davida, and uh, you know, would really be good. Maybe Rio takes live it, and then they take all Kim too. And make a real lithium. Uh, and it, to, to go, just on that, if I can jump in there, to my mind, it makes complete sense if you are a mining house major to take an incumbent and all the skills with it before you have a go at this industry. Exactly. It was a head scratcher with Rincon for me. Which is why uh, I think someone like a Rio could buy some of the bigger you know, uncontracted assets that are out there that we all know. Why not? Why aren't they in the Piedmont, the Thacker Pass process, you know, to fund those projects? They're not throwing big exploration money out there either. Yeah. So it's not like they're looking for early assets either and doing the drilling. I mean, Fortescue's had a dip. A dip on exploration, but, you know, they haven't found very yeah, much. Yeah, but I'm saying, Rios, if, if, you're not, if you're not buying, if you're not going on the, buying the experience and the incumbent, surely then, if you think you can go it alone, you would go something that you can manage, which would be more like moving hard rock. Rio spent a ton on Jadar, yeah. right? So that was their... <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but that was more of a boron asset, to be honest. I mean, yes. that was the thing that used to amaze me is all the London fund managers told me that Jadar was the saving grace of lithium and it was going to produce you know, 23,000 tonnes Back when I spoke to them, now twenty three thousand tons, Joe. That's another rounding error. It was a bull run. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Glencore was in the press. I remember a few years ago at the BMO conference, I heard that Ivan Glazenberg basically said about lithium. This was like twenty eighteen, where they had a track for EV metals, and these investors were looking at these as it was some sort of circus act, you know, lithium and and the like. And Ivan Glazenberg, everyone was beating up on lithium. It was just like, if I can't trade it, I'm not going to buy it, right? Like, so he was into cobalt, he was into nickel, but lithium, not trading it, you know, forget about it. But he's gone or is leaving. You know, there's a new guard at Glencore. There's some new thinking. You know, maybe they come in and maybe they buy Pilbara. They don't typically overpay, but you know, maybe they, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um but I think that's coming for a whole, the, the size of the market has grown. You were saying, Rodney, that the, the lithium size of the market went has gone from 3 billion a few years ago to now uh, almost the size and dollar value as the nickel market. Exactly. So, you know, it's gone from the bearded lady at the circus to now the, you know, <laughs> the front act. So it's, 
everyone said it's opaque, there isn't there. And, you know, again, you know, one of the things, you know, drew me in early on, you know, with Joe's write-ups and stuff and LinkedIn way back or whatever is the irreplaceable element and people just weren't having it. But in the end, I mean, you know, maybe prices change again, but it's still, you know, fundamentally the lithium iron battery was always going to get the job done. So it made lithium the key element one way or the other. So, yeah, we, we will see. I just find it. Look, for someone like Rios who prints money in iron ore, they need a major, I, I would have thought they'd want a major asset to move the needle and then get into the industry in a major way to, to add to their bottom line. The Rencon one, I, I, I don't understand, other than it was for sale. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that you probably uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, it was available. I, I've always said that like the top of this market will be when we have a Rio Alcan moment, right? You know, Rio bought the aluminum company Alcan at a very, very high yeah. price. That was the top of the last super cycle. So big mining, big companies, if they only kind of come into auctions, you know, if Rio buys Albemarle, you know, at a hundred billion, right? That, that's when you should be selling your lithium stocks. Um, well, in, in, in 1992, Howard, Alcan was the third biggest buyer of lithium values on the planet. So just to put that in the context. <laughs> always appreciate the historical anecdote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he um, said with his tongue in cheek. <laughs> You mentioned Japan and Toyota. I do notice that like Panasonic w w in America with these additional plants, they were slow. You know, the, the Koreans seem to have been ahead of them, but they seem to be catching up quite a bit. Thoughts on that? And then to the point of resource investing, the Mitsui's, the Mitsubishi's, the Sumitomo's, I mean, it's it's been part of Japanese I and mean, to some degree Korean Inc. development to be funding resource projects kind of globally. So how do you see them as potential participants, you know, in the U.S. and European projects? You know, where's the big Jogmec, you know, the Oracobre got super cheap loans. We're talking about like Jigger Shaw loans, but what Oracobre received from Mizuho was exactly that, 70, 30, you know, debt to equity at, you know, three and a half or four percent interest. Uh, but that was funded, you know, by the Japanese. Will, will we see major Japanese strategics or Korean, like from an LG and an SK perspective in America with these big partnerships? They're a free trade country as well, free trade agreement country as well. And they've spun off. LG Energy Solutions is spun off into like its own entity. LG invested in Tangshi's IPO, right? W where are these guys writing checks into development projects? Well, let me say this on the Global Lithium Ion Rocks podcast. I believe that it won't won't be validated this year, but I think you you raised two great points. I think Japan's going to come back in a significant way, um, and I think they uh, have been sleeping a little bit <laughs> for a while. I mean, it, you got down to the cathode. There's only a couple. If you went to see the cathode business in Japan, you got down to going to two places, basically, um, two meaningful places, whereas Korea, well, you know, was was more focused for a number of years. I also think you've had a, a switch happen with in the last eight weeks or 12 weeks. 
that and I I lectured both SDI and LG in Phoenix in not a kind manner for two hours each on all their sins of the past in terms of not understanding lithium, being arrogant, thinking they controlled the game. And now I am believing that whether it it's just they're so desperate now, they are willing to contract differently. They are willing to do more with respect to lithium than they ever have been. I don't think either one of those will make direct investment in assets, but I think the way they contract is changing. I think you're I think you're seeing a sea change now finally in OEM and battery thinking outside of China, where they're seeing this price thing staring them in the face. And maybe they believe Rodney's numbers. Along that line, you've mentioned GM live in, in a prepay. So that's interesting, right? GM providing funding to a producer for their expansion. You've had Ford um, do a debt deal, you know, with Liontown. Uh, there's still conditions precedent on that. Then you've had Stellantis write an equity check, you know, 50 million euro into Vulcan. You know, so how do we think about... How do we think? How do we think about I think that? They, I, <laughs> well, I, I think mean, sometimes. <laughs> no, I mean, some people just don't know how to invest their money. Well, look. No, I, I mean, okay. I it, it's fair enough. A fair question. I mean, I think from from the standpoint of yes, they're they're internalizing that they everybody's wanting to sign up now. I think that's your point. Whereas before, I, maybe I'm they, saying these, 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 are, these are very small amounts and these are coming from OEMs, but OEMs have invested in, you know, GM invested whatever, 2 billion in cruise with SoftBank and, and these, like they, they spent, like Volkswagen is in solid state and QuantumScape. They write hundreds of millions of dollars of checks for things which are less critical, right? More risky yeah. than this. And they're starting, but it's very small. I mean, there's a $200 million GM live in, you know, 300 million Ford, Liontown, 50 million euros Stellantis. You know, I hope there's a lot wow. more behind, behind it. And you've had the other offtake without investment, right? You know, in a lot of the, the, the DLE stories, you have a lot of good projects, right? That haven't done deals yet. Like, like we talked about it, you know, what's the most likely outcome for advanced projects with uncommitted partners, right? Like Critical Elements has not signed anything yet. Atlantic, you know, has unencumbered tons, you know, North Carolina with Piedmont, North American Lithium, Thacker Pass, they have not hit the bid on these non-binding MOUs, right? You know, I think that they're in a great spot to achieve very significant you know, valuations and, and partnerships, you know, and, and outcomes maybe along the lines are better, you know, than the, if you said, you know, Rincon was available for sale, like Lithia was available for sale. Ganfeng didn't get it. So they went for Lithia. But some of these other projects that we're talking about are coming available. But do, do you think that these guys are going to get into mining? You said no, really. They're going to do it some other way, not with equity stakes. I, I think there's still a, a resistance. Car companies don't want to become mining companies. That's, that's clear. But and why would why would LG invest in Tangshi, but, you know, uh, IPO and not invest in any other developer company? That's a, 
I believe a relationship thing, honestly. I mean, look look at the look at Korea and Japan. I mean, three and four percent cross investments is like you go out to dinner and you say, Hey, why don't I buy three percent of your company? And and they do. Um, and it's it's more about going steady, getting married. <laughs> okay, that's so true. one of the things I've always I've always preferred as a as a possible alternative, Joe, is to have a streaming deal, in which case you make it effectively an asset exposure, but with a financial instrument and you're not the miner. Yeah. And I think you're gonna I think in 23 you're gonna see some creative deals made. And and I don't I don't have any specific knowledge uh, of details of that, but I, I think you will see it. But my whole point is, I think finally some people are starting to get it. Now, if if I was Delantis, I probably would have made it that five million five million. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have taken a zero off that baby. But hey, that that is my assessment of what they what they did but i mean it's it's a fair fair point that it's 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 small but what what george bush called a thousand points of light at least something at least something's happening um and i think you're going to see a lot more in 23 i i think i think there is and i think the inflation reduction act as it gets internalized by people and their strategies get set you may see some moves moves there and you know, you're Keith and company are in a pretty good spot. Shout out to Keith. I think so. We talked about big battery, big auto. Well, what about big oil? So you've had um, most people don't think of Coke as big oil, but they're pretty big. I, I don't. I don't think a Coke. I think a Coke is big conglomerate with a lot of energy interests. But they've I, they've written out 350 million checks into two American projects, and they've done 1.4 billion in the battery. What they what they broadly term as the battery space, and it's two different entities too. One's the Strategic Ventures, one's KMT, and they, they they collaborate. Sometimes, well, sometimes they don't talk to each other as much either. I mean, it's it's that's an it's an interesting dynamic. There's actually, by, by the way, there's actually a third entity I learned yesterday that uh, is like an internal hedge fund, you know, that invests just in companies just as an, any normal hedge fund would be, and and it happened to be that they they invested in in Compass before they actually the hedge fund invested in Compass before they made this separate entity made this investment, but. I mean, they're making a bet on unconventional brine, you know, rather than hard rock or clay, you know, and they're focused on the U.S. and not anywhere else. So what do you think? Well, we both know a, Coke. A, a, a shout out to Coke. If you want to take a position in the U.S.-based global lithium, I'm happy to talk at any point. I think Coke is an important part of the, the U.S. I mean, look at their investments. I mean, it's they're they're more focused on the US and I love that. And I I think they're perfectly comfortable taking risk. And I like what Coke is doing. I think on the other side of this, when you really talk about really the, the classic big oil, I expect to see activity by a couple of oil companies is more lithium focused and it's not battery space and you know like shell like we're going to focus on recharging or something like that 
I, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see a move by a very large oil company in the next, before the end of 23. I'd be shocked not to see it. Okay. Our <laughs> shock levels are different. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you had Exxon, you, you know, it would have been good if they put an extra zero like Stellantis did, you know, on the E3, they put in 5 million. That's small, but they know that asset, that asset's embedded in their history. And Schlumberger is not really big oil, they're oil services, but they invested in energy source. So you're seeing, and pure energy. These are venture capital, tiny investments. It needs to be hundreds and billions of dollars. Schlumberger has a plot of land not 15 miles from where I'm sitting right now. And they were talking about doing a lithium metal deal four or five years ago with a friend of mine. So yeah, I, Schlumberger's been nibbling around the edges for a while. Yeah. So we talked about you know majors investing in development companies, producers buying producers, but you also have this concept of you know, the multi-project juniors, you know, developers investing in and, and, and buying developers. So you have Lithium Americas, actually it started Lithium Americas merged with Western Lithium, right? And since then, uh, you know, the LAC bought Millennial, they've invested in green tech, they've invested in Arena, you know, meanwhile, Piedmont, you know, took advantage of you know, their post battery day boom and at the bottom of the market with Sayana, you know, and then with Atlantic. And they've now, both of these companies are multi-project companies with a flagship. When I look at Lithium Americas, who I know for a long time, uh, former clients, uh, not currently invested, and I know it's a favorite of yours, and Piedmont, which I do advise, am invested. And so just, there is a little bit of competition between us, like fans of these two companies. Like when I think about it, Minera XR is going to come online and be generating, you know, some revenue and cash flow in 23, 24. And if you look at it, you know, LAC has 49% of 40,000 tons, right? I don't know what the capacity is going to be of carbonate. And then Piedmont is going to have 50% offtake, 113,000 tons of spodumene from North American lithium beginning starting that up next year around the same time so which project minera xr's carbonate to lack versus piedmont's spodumene you know from north american lithium in 2024 and 2025 which is going to generate more cash flow for each company and the question for both of you it depends on the ramp but you know lack's going to have by your maths when it's at full capacity, just under 20,000 tons. So you can take whatever margin and, and cost you can on that. And Piedmont's going to have something in the order of 15 to 20,000 LCE equivalent on that offtake. But even if Monero XR is doing non-battery grade, it's still going to be getting whatever. I don't know what the commercial terms are with Ganfin, but... Market price. <laughs> so if they get market price and we're still at 60 and it costs 10, they make 50. So it's $50,000 a ton on all of that. So it depends on how quickly they ramp, but they should be able to get up to over half a billion in EBITDA pretty quickly. Um, half, half a billion. Yeah. I mean, it, depending on, on how much they do, I'm saying if they can make roughly $50,000 a ton and they get attributable 10,000 tons by then, that's your number. And and Piedmont, 
on the 113,000, assuming they're making a bit over $4,000 a ton, still at that point in time will be very similar. It will be about half a billion EBITDA, depending on how quickly you ramp that up. So a very similar number. Lax deal structure differently because the the Siona deal is the greater of 113,000 tons or 50%. So if they only do 115,000 tons, Piedmont still gets their 113,000 tons, <laughs> if I understand that agreement correctly. Yeah, that, that's so, correct, but it, it won't so be that it's, low. <laughs> it's, a he, it's a heads I win, tails you lose. I, I have some knowledge of that asset and we, you know, we, can, we can talk about that too, but they're in a good spot, no doubt about it. But I like Rodney's analysis. On lack <laughs> of the of the lack deal, <laughs> and I, I am going to accept Rodney's answer as my own. And okay, that, that's great. I'm going to say lack, lack for the win. But here's the thing: both of them are going to. There's a lot less complexity to what Sion is doing than what Lack's doing. So it may happen faster if you want to. If you want to ask me over from. From time of declared start in the, in the 24 months from time of declared startup for each one, I'm I'm with Rodney on the numbers, so I'm going to pick Lack. I want them both to win. I'm fans. I have a lot of friends at Lithium Americas, and and I I'm just it's all the good. market doesn't reflect the market reflects certain things in Lithium Americas. It doesn't yet reflect the same. From the Siona, you know, North American lithium asset. It's Mineric Sar has been known for a long time. North American lithium is not known as a near-term producer. And it's not, it's reflected in Siona's stock price. It's not reflected in Piedmont's stock price, in my opinion. Um, but let's let's move on to final question. Where is the best bang for your buck if you were to invest capital in the sector right now and you can't pick? Lithium Americas, um, Joe and Rodney and I, we can't pick uh, Piedmont. And you don't need to mention a specific company, but where would you, if you want to, you can, but um, geography, you know, stage of development, you know, uh, producer, non-producer. I mean, it's essentially what's not reflecting fair value at the moment. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, I guess... Yeah, it's I mean that's that's a that's a tough question because you know my lar overweight in lack is at two and three and it's much harder it's a much harder decision to buy at twenty-eight or thirty. So I'm glad you took that off the table. <laughs> um <laughs> And, you know, again, I, I own a fairly significant amount of Sigma shares and it was easier at a very low number than it is at a very high number. So you have to, my whole point is you have to look at the emerging guys and yeah, I own some GL1, I own some GT1. MinRes is tougher because it's it's not not a pure play lithium, like SQM is not a pure play lithium, like Abelmore is not a pure play lithium, but I, I've been buying, I've been buying MinRes too. And it made me happy when he said, Hey, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go public uh, in, 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 in New York. Uh, or he didn't say it. Somebody said it. Um, so 
Um, you got to look for, I'm looking for small guys. I've, I've been trading in arena <laughs> for a long time. It just, if it goes to 30 cents, I buy it. So to 38 cents and, you know, do it again because <laughs> it's very volatile. So, 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 so it, it sounds, if I read that correctly, you're, you're buying and holding new hard rock in GL1 and GT1, and you're treating Argentine brine more speculatively as a trade. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think having a six figure position in lack is, is, is you know, that's a core, that's a core position. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's, but, that's different. Yeah. I, I was, I'm but talking I, about arena. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, and I like the Randalls. I mean, I mean, sometimes you, sometimes you invest it. I mean, there's a lot going for it, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't have, I'm not going to make a, develop a huge core position in arena. I'm going to trade arena right, right. just because it, 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 that's the kind of market it is. And I, I got a big enough IRA where I can do a lot of trading in my IRA yeah. now. So uh, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Rod, other, Rodney just, <laughs> I don't know. Rodney, Rodney conveniently fell off. So um, I'll I'll fill I'll fill the gap well, with my with speaking my... for Rodney I'm a I'm a Piedmont bull. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not allowed to say that, but thank you for saying it. Uh, and but you didn't say you're buying Piedmont. That's interesting. Um, I think you. I mean, I think what you just articulated is, you know, uh, I I'm still waiting on it's it's not an easy i don't i don't think it's grossly undervalued right now because i think there's too many question marks but i i take your meaning with you know even if siona only did 115 they get 113,000 of it and they can start selling it and that's a lot of cash flow for sure um yeah so you know howard i may take your stock tip <laughs> my uh i can't say piedmont but uh, and i won't um we do have a bias toward uh hard rock you know early stage companies but uh um to, to not do disfavor to our multitude of clients by picking one of them i will mention two non-clients that um i've done my uh free bird lithium about and that's amg uh, you know, because it's a diversified company, but I think you're getting lithium there for free. They are producing lithium and they're trading like at a three times EBITDA um, and uh, um, they've upgraded their guidance, you know, three or four times in the past year, less than the past year. And they have a credible downstream, uh, you know, hydroxide strategy. They're just, they don't trade like a lithium stock. And secondly, I've owned mineral resources for a long time and I've bought a little bit more, but uh, I very much believe a spin out is a high probability. It makes too much sense and the market's not pricing that accordingly. And I think because they're focused on hydroxide being correlated to hydroxide, even if they're not making the hydroxide themselves, should give them a specialty chemical multiple on those tons compared to maybe a a traditional mining multiple 
uh, which they get for iron ore, you know, or their mine services business. So, and Chris Ellison owns 16% of the company, founder owners. Um, I mean, I want to do a bit more work on Ganfeng because as founder owners, um, that, that stock's been very weak for a while. And I think it's because, you know, they're still perceived as more a refiner um, and, and the shoes on the, you know, the, the miners where the margins are, but I haven't run a, a, a it's, it's very interesting to see Tangshi rose aggressively into their IPO. It looked a little bit like manipulation just to kind of get that deal done because they were standing, not, nothing was going up. I mean, also AMG talked about spinning out their lithium, but then they, they said they weren't going to do it in May because the market dropped. At the same time, Tangshi was the only one who got off like a 1.7 billion. Anyway, Rodney, you're back. Um, I, I I don't know if you heard everything. Please repeat the question. No, no, I, I just froze. I did hear the question. So Piedmont's <laughs> off the table, but as you know, I've done work on that, and somehow Tennessee and North America, you know, the North Carolina projects are trading at negative in the share price based on my calculations. We've just had um, the PFS of Atlantic come out. I think when that's drilled up to full resource and you take even, you know, well below what are implied in, in Joe's numbers or mine, I still think that uh, the NPV for Atlantic is a billion dollars. So that puts it at over two Aussie a share or about three times the pound price now on Atlantic. So I like that, me personally. Um, Surgeon General's warning, we do consult investment advice so, and, and they're a client yeah i said so, i wasn't uh, going to recommend but, any of our clients rodney because i didn't want uh, to, uh, other than that there's okay, no well, issue in terms of uh, joe's ones he mentioned as well you know we like that and 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 green tech um so I think, uh, you know, if you've got the higher for longer, you've got a, the developers, we're in agreement with Joe, the developers is where the money's at because they've got time to get up and running and I think still capture higher prices. So nothing's going for free, but um, I think those ones, if we're not allowed to say our clients, then um, the ones that Joe mentioned, and I also think, you know, Arena, I mean, if you look at the play on that seller, it's definitely at some point in time will come home to roost. So that will make sense. Ship Brian, uh, you can do it really quickly. And there so, is what, what, one, one former client, not a client now, but just the, going to that um, Rincon and Lithia purchase, like the disconnect, like lithium power in Chile, you know, where they're trading at compared to where Rincon and Lithia traded for, I just see a public private, you know, disconnect there. I mean, that's a relatively advanced high grade um, project. So anyway. I think just as an, as an overall view um, for my money's worth, given my past running a, a small mining book, you know, in a sort of super cycle is if we think it's, higher for longer and and you know a lot of guys are talking i mean chris ellison i mean you look at those numbers so if we're talking to 2030 and beyond if we're going to still have a tight market then you know there's a lot of money still to be made at the end of a drill bit and feasibility and so on with with the smaller assets because you've got time 
So I do like that end of, of the market. If Ken Brinsden just joined, you know, Patriot, like out of nowhere, no one ever heard of this company. If you look at our scoreboard, you know, th there's so much movement, you know, within that scoreboard on a quarterly basis, a yearly basis. You look so, and there are lots of new names. That scoreboard has grown enormously. Okay. So, um, Patriot is, you know, they could be potentially sitting on a hundred million tons or whatever it is. They think they are on others, and, and those are the sort of if you can drill up to that size and and the brine, if you can if you can get up to big tonnage, then those are the assets that the outside the industry players are going to have a look at, in my opinion. Okay, final comment from me here is that if you are an auto OEM exec or a battery auto OEM exec, I, I recently heard from a new client of ours. Uh, you know, who attended Phoenix that, um, you know, they've asked around and the only people, you know, worth listening to, they said, were, were Joe and us. So um, if you are among that group, you, you know, we're not the big banks, we're not the McKinsey's of the world, but uh, we've been right for longer and you should be calling us uh, for advice and you should be deploying, um, you know, significant, if you're, if you believe in the stronger for longer, as we all do, and the market is not pricing in the prices you both expect over the next few years, then this concept of higher love for all of the companies we mentioned, whether or not you think, you know, Lack or, or Sigma is at too high a price, you know, for a fresh buy, it's, it's likely going higher as Pilbara, you know, is. So, um, Albemarle bought into Wagner. We thought that was a rich price and now it looks great. You know, it, the, the, the market for lithium, it, it is the limiting factor. It is the irreplaceable element. And uh, it's a great place, I think, to to continue to, to, to make life transformational wealth. If you're a, a retail investor, if you're an institutional investor, and then strategics, again, should just... Um, listen to the experts who live and breathe this 24 seven. I don't, I don't think it's out of the question to add our favorites to anybody's portfolio. And that's not investing advice. It's just that when you look at where's the big percentage bang going to be, it's obviously at the undervalued end. So my strategy is to continue to acquire my cores and but to take the plunge and maybe maybe i'll just buy a a company that's based 22 minutes from where i'm sitting <laughs> that, that that is one of the <laughs> one of the crazy uh uh disconnects in this market is that uh not only albemarle and livent have you know america's lithium is in north carolina the best of america's lithium is in north carolina including yourself and for uh like the developing company right in your backyard yes yimby yimby yes in my backyard joe lowry um <laughs> piedmont lithium um so uh uh anyway um well, thank the, you for the, having the, the me. Final, the, the final <laughs> thing is on, on, on just be careful, though. Bull markets, there's a lot of crap on that scoreboard. And 
Rodney and I have interfaced with a number who are increasingly reaching out to us on LinkedIn and wanting to be on the podcast or wanting us to kind of like, you know, represent them. And there's a lot of overvalued crap that you need to be careful about. And when when you get the when, when you get people reaching out, because I, I have the same thing, is it usually their PR person or is it usually a principal? It's often a principal, you know, but the principal is like, I was doing gold, I was doing this and lithium's hot and I got this property and I'm back it into the shell and like, I got this acreage and, you know, like, what? Yeah. It just, it like, it, yeah. it, and then I look at it and it's a 50, $100 million, you know, kind of entry price. And anyway, so just be careful. Um, and, uh, you know, by the way, we don't give financial <clears throat> advice, but if you subscribe to us as a Patreon, we, we do offer like Joe does from time to time, one-on-one -on -one phone call time where we, we could talk through some things that we, we don't always talk publicly about. We put a lot in the, a lot of information into the public domain for free, uh, but we, we hold back, you know, the best stuff for paying clients as you do, Joe. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Howard. I to to your listeners who didn't want you to have me on, <laughs> I I hope it wasn't too painful. And if it was, you can just send me more hate mail at globallithium.net <laughs> backslash content. Yeah. No, there, Almost there, everybody there was, was universally that. positive. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I a lot of people wanted this to happen, and I'm glad it did. And I think we have proven we're civil. Ha, 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 ha.